Welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans by fans. We're not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but we promise, we promise not to drug any bears in the woods around their office. Our topic today is companions. What were they like in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, and what might we see in Avowed? Cruel. The gods made me this way, and I've cursed them for it since before I knew how to give form to words. So we're going to talk about uh, companions today. And when I mention companions, I'm, I'm referring to how they might translate from what we know of Pillars of Eternity 1 and Pillars of Eternity 2, where you did have companions and sidekicks, um, and kind of like followers in um, Skyrim. Uh, and uh, we want to kind of talk about the way it worked in Pillars, but we want to also kind of speculate as to what mechanics and what uh, maybe narrative features that companions uh, did for the game or how that's going to fit into Avowed, which we know is not an isometric game and is slightly different. So there'll be some changes. But um, we have with us a lot of people today who've who've played through the Pillars games and uh, have a lot of knowledge about companions. um, And we're going to be talking about that a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to go around the horn a little bit and hear what people have been playing and what they've been doing. So, Gingerino, um, I will start with you, my friend. What uh, what have you been uh, doing lately, game wise? Oh man, um, it's been a while since we recorded. I've put, I've played a a whole swack of things. Uh, I've played Forspoken. That was pretty fun. I but I, I've just recently dove into. Atomic Heart, which I guess makes me a monster, I'm told. I didn't know that, but... Uh, oh, I just saw uh, that press. I saw the yeah. press about that. I I don't pay attention to that stuff very much, and so when someone brought it to my attention, I was like, I, what did I do wrong? I don't understand. And now, now I have a moral quandary about finishing the I game I think or not. it's all... It just relates to one particular cartoon in, in one of the... Uh, rooms that you go into they're like resident evil restrooms not restroom but where you go to get away from stuff i haven't to, played the to game, save the game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i thought it was and, you know i i was being informed it was because that they were a game studio in russia and so therefore any amount of success they have will go to the russian government and oh, which is oh, I yeah see. see that's what so i kind was of like told. the the hogwarts legacy thing where you're funding some, kind somebody of? who kind of it's a little different i mean hogwarts legacy that's about like funding one person who you don't agree with and you think is immoral versus like you're definitely giving money to a game studio whose taxes go to a government who definitely fuel an army to kill people right like but right, i mean right right that, that's but no, that's painting right. broad strokes so um but i mean it's more of a moral quandary because like is it even a good game no um, is it a good game so, the soundtrack so it starts is awesome, awesome. The soundtrack is great. I I love actually like um it seems like in every region there's different music for when you fight enemies and it always keeps me on my toes like it keeps that tension going. I'm getting a little tired of like go to this section and find a way to unlock this door. Now go to this section and find a way to unlock this door. I'm like, "Okay, I'm tired of solving door puzzles. Like I want to know what the hell's going on." <laughs> but That's other than that, it's it's been fun. Like it's it's kept me tense and I've like I'm walking through very slowly and the aesthetic is cool. The world that they've created for the game is fantastic. It's uh 
we'll we'll see. I'll stick with it for a little bit longer. I'll give you a better update on it down the road. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, parenthesis, what have you been playing lately? So, I've been playing Return to Monkey Island, and uh, as far as I've seen, it it's good. It's it, it, I had some qualms about the art style, uh, but in practice, it works fine. It's it's perfectly serviceable. Um, the weird thing is, it it kind of that might it might just be me who's projecting a lot of things upon this game, but it it feels like this is wrong. I haven't finished it, so I may be wrong, but it kind of feels like in in a way, it feels like a game that is saying goodbye to me, or because you return to Melee Island and everything's changed, everything's run down, and and you see how things have moved on, how the characters have visibly aged, uh, or at least to me it indicates that aged and it. And all of this is going in the story within a story where Guybrush is telling it to someone significant for him, and so I mean, one of the things that Guybrush Freeport, the main character, can in this series is he's known to be able to hold his his breath for ten minutes straight. In this game, he can only hold it for eight. So it's 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 I mean, it's, it's 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 a nostalgic romp, but it's a good, really good game, and I recommend it to anyone who will have played the previous games. Yeah, I'm uh, as I've already mentioned to you, I'm a huge fan, so definitely ready to jump into that one. Um, Kiwi, have you been doing any gaming lately? Mm, actually, yes, and now it's it hasn't been only the Wrath of the Lich King uh, rating, but we actually gave Diablo 3's newest season a shot. Oh, okay, what do you think? I think. About the Diablo, uh, they, I mean, the new season has, I think it has a much better progression system that, than the previous seasons had. Excellent. I haven't, I, I, I haven't actually played any of the other seasons, like, seriously, but this time I really gave it a shot, and it, it, it was, you know, a lot of fun. It, what, what is it, the 28th season? <laughs> it's gotta be. It's been out for so long. Wow. I didn't even know they were still doing seasons, to be honest. Of course, they're doing they're doing the seasons for Diablo too, also. Oh my God! See, I didn't know that either. Okay, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I guess are you? Does that mean Kiwi that you're excited for uh, the middle of this year when Diablo Four comes out? Of, of course not. <laughs> These gaming companies never deliver anymore. Oh, that's classic. I mean, I, mean, I love it. It's it's like. They dump, dump down all the systems, and the classes are basically almost the exact copies of Diablo 3. So I don't know what's new in the, in this game. Okay, uh, fair enough. I, I I don't I haven't been following it as much as I thought I would. Honestly, uh, I I saw maybe one or two videos online, and um, I'm just hoping it's going to come to Game Pass. I'm hoping they seal the deal with uh, yeah, act- same. yeah. So because I ain't paying uh, seventy bucks for it, I'll tell you that. Well, if you pay for um, Diablo, you're also a moral monster because of Activision. I think I don't know. I, it seems like anytime you buy a yeah. game, you're a bad guy. Now. Yeah, you you are basically funding another yacht for Bobby Cotty. Damn, that's true man. you're right I don't yeah want that. he's a mess i don't want that either um yeah so i've been uh I, i've been kind of dabbling going trying to go back and finish games that I, I i played a lot of and and never really fully completed 
Uh, um, backlog gaming. Backlog. Yeah. One that I'm on right now is I, I, in a game I actually love and most people hate is uh, Watchdog Legions, the one that takes place in Paris. It was the, released the same month that the Xbox Series X came out. Um, and, uh, you know, I went all in on it and cause I'm a watchdogs, love watchdogs. Um, but I really like it. It's fun. It is, I can see now why it, it's kind of an Ubisoft type game where you, where it might be fun at the beginning, but after like 80 hours, you feel like you're, you're in the grind and you're just kind of doing the same quest over and again. One thing I hate about the game is that, um, as you get further in the game, deeper into the game. A lot of the side missions take you back to the same locations you've already been to, even though it's supposed to be this sprawling, massive city of France and city of Paris. And you're, you know, supposed to have all these options. It keeps taking me back to some of the locations I've already been. So that's starting to drag on me a little bit. But I do want to try to finish the dang thing. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. I haven't dumped, haven't jumped into Hogwarts Legacy. I will say it's a game I've been looking forward to trying. Um, and, uh, I just, the main reason is not because of the controversy. It's just because it's 70 bucks and I don't really want to shell that out right now. And also I kind of like to, since it's really a single player game, even though I know there is a slight multiplayer component, you know, I can wait, I'll wait a, a year till it comes a little bit down in price. And then they've released all the patches and I'll be good to go on that one. But that's kind of what I've been doing. But I did, but before we start talking today, I, I, I saw some news. So I wanted to kind of, I guess you could call it news about Avowed that I wanted to kind of uh, throw out there. And I'm sure you all have heard this or at some point. Um, so there's uh, VGC News, which is run by Andy Robinson. Uh, he's the owner, editor, head chef, custodian, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a popular video game news outlet. Um Evidently, they claim to have 5 million monthly readers and whatever. Um, no doubt this guy, uh, Andy Robinson, has his hands on the pulse of the industry. I don't doubt that at all, at least much more than Cheetos munching jazz. So I, I do think he's maybe a little more into it. Um, he previously worked at Platonic Games. He was a writer. He did. He worked as a writer on, I forgot the goofy looking one. Yaku Lei or something like that, an impossible layer. Anyway, he transitioned to media, but he has released a statement that many people are talking about where he has said that he has heard from his sources that after Starfield releases, Xbox Studios next major releases will be Hellblade 2 at the end of 2023 this year and avowed sometime in 2024. Now, while that's not like... <laughs> We're not talking like that's own oh, earth-shaking news, right? I mean, we all kind of knew that in general. It is kind of interesting to hear from someone who has connections that Xbox views those as their two next big releases. Um, aside from, of course, Diablo 4, if they purchased Activision, I guess that would be in the list as well. But, um, yeah, but that's Hellblade third party two. in a way. Yeah, you're right. Good point. Um, but I think Avowed in 2024 is realistic. He goes on to say details about Avowed should appear at the Xbox Game Showcase later this year um, based on his sources. So that's pro positive. Also something I believe we've kind of talked about in the past that we think we'll see something, um, you know, this year. Um, some Whether it's going to be as early as midsummer 
who knows? I'm assuming they're going to focus midsummer on um, probably Diablo four. Um, and then cause it'll have been out by then or will be coming out. Um, and then uh, Hellblade two is a, is a huge sequel to a very popular game. So that'll be the focus. So we might just get like, like we said before, maybe a, another trailer or a narrative trailer or some tidbits. But since we're inching closer, people, I think we're going to see something. I did also do a little research and, and game journalists from uh, these organizations, Game Rant, IGN, Game Informer, and Kotaku. Each of those organizations have published an article where they say their sources tell them that Avowed will release and is planned release for quarter two of 2024. Which surprises me a little bit. Um, that's pretty early. Um, <clears throat> plus, with a, a title like Avowed, I would think that's something you want to release right before the holiday season. Just because those people who are buying physical copies, you know, that's where you're going to make your most money. Not February or, well, I guess quarter two would be spring, right? So, um, I don't know. And Game Rant also released some news. They said that they recently browsed LinkedIn to claim that Avowed has now officially hired uh, more than 10 narrative designers who are all working full-time on Avowed, including um, Zoe, who moved from Pentiment. She was, uh, or they uh, were a narrative designer. Um, They go on to claim, quote, other narrative designers on Avowed reportedly have their roots from Bioware, Ubisoft Leadership, Hogwarts Legacy, Riot Games, and more, pulling together perhaps a powerhouse team of narrative designers. So that's interesting news. I mean, we kind of, again, something we could probably guess knowing the history over there. Um, but th- with those little tidbits, does anybody have any reaction to any of those or feeling about uh, whether you think yeah. those might be true? Is how much is 10 negative designers like if you compare it to AAA titles is 10 a lot or I have no idea I mean Obsidian seemed to be quality over quantity but I think Pillars of Eternity 1 had more than that even I mean Pillars of Eternity is pretty much just narrative with uh, yeah I get that in there but yeah I don't know that surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I would think that maybe Deadfire would have had maybe 10 plus, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know what a narrative designer is. I'm just assuming from the first word that that's, you know, there's their story so focus. So the, the design, so basically the a writer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Basically a writer, I guess. Right. So yeah, like... But, uh, but, yeah, it's a. I mean, if it's gonna be an, uh, some kind of semi-open world game, then it's uh, it's less about narration anyway. So, right, they might be giving them specific areas, you know. I feel like Obsidian's the only one that would have as many narrative designers for a, for a game nowadays. I feel like you have ten people just to make sure that Kratos's wrinkles appear very good on a game. I mean, I mean they're gonna have ten narrative designers on that, but not sh- just show you. Right. <laughs> Good point. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's done with Pentiment, so we don't officially know what he's doing right now. I mean, there is rumors that he's he's got another title in the in the pocket, but I don't know. I mean, I think at this point when it's crunch time, they're probably going to pull him in at the very least to be uh, 
uh, kind of an overseer to to test things and give his feedback. I would assume. Um, I'm not Ooh, certain. Maybe no, he'll another... uh, work on that tabletop role playing game for Pillars. That'd be good. I'd buy that. You know, I'll buy that as soon as it comes out. Um, so <laughs> yeah. another another bit of news I want to throw out there for for listeners because this is kind of time dependent is Outer Worlds is getting a re release. Um, and I believe Kiwi, you put something in the discord. I appreciate that about that. Um, it's called the spacers choice edition, and it will include all the DLC content and upgraded visuals for the PS five and Xbox series X. Those who already own the game will be allowed to purchase it at a reduced cost. Um, the spacers choice edition comes out this week, March 7th. So, um, very soon. So if you already own the game you want to try it again this might be a way to go if you didn't try any of the dlc this might be a way to go to help support a company that we all also, believe in they also took so the level I, cap off if i have the game already uh, do i get to improve graphics no you yeah have to pay for it yeah, i mean you had to pay for it yeah good point i see what you're saying i see what your question uh, is so oh, oh no this is another another way of money grabbing. Like they they actually now finish the game's graphics. To- <laughs> <laughs> I think for me the selling point of this is if you ha- if you didn't already own the DLC, if you haven't tried any of the DLC, and you just did the base game, this might be worth it for you if you get it at a discounted price. Um, I don't know what that's going to be, but um, well, for me in Canada, it's ten dollars to upgrade to the new version. Which honestly, if that's the, the graphics great. are if the graphics are that good and the level cap is completely lifted, I might do that. That's interesting. I love that game. Well, just to have it. I mean, to have I don't own the con. I don't own the DLC, so um, I, I would. I might do it just for that. Ten bucks. That's crazy. I hope that's I know, the way. And that's it ten bucks Canadian. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, I know. Right? Now, about development. Now, am I going to have to re-platinum the game is the question, because <laughs> I don't want to oh do that God. over again. No, this will be more of an exploration of doing things you didn't do before, or trying, you know, um, companions that you didn't use yeah. before, or whatever. If they yeah, could also is... enable debug mode, that would be great. <laughs> Just put that in there for us. Uh, the corporation's bad game, now in HD. Um, so anyway, that's the news I have for Vowed. We're jumping into Companions today. Um, I want to, before we go into full detail on on our thoughts and views of each Companions from Pillars, um, just in general for those people who maybe haven't played the Pillars games, Companions are really divided, and you guys jump in if I'm wrong at some point, but Companions are divided into two groups as, as I see them. They're, there's the full-fledged Companions. These are the ones with... The attached quests, um, they have story interaction, they have their own kind of narrative in some parts. Um, they're really fleshed out. Then there's the, the sidekicks. These are like unique characters that you may encounter as you're traveling or maybe part of a quest, um, a specific quest. Um, they do have voice actors, but they're not really, um, uh, the, you know, they're they're not fully uh, fleshed out, I guess is the way. So there's a 11 total, I think, companions, eight in the original story and three from White March, and then six sidekicks, if I'm correct. Um, so the companions in general are your party members or potential party members that you hire that have uh, these really deep 
um, stories attached to them that kind of, if you've never played Pillars, it's kind of, and you hear me say that, I'm really saying that they're deep and fleshed out. The interaction you have with these companions is a huge part of the game, a huge part, for me, a huge part of the narrative, the relationship that you kind of develop with these characters and the banter between the characters themselves and uh, it's just a really nice system and one of the things that I loved about uh, the Pillars games myself and just you know picking different ones on a replay and and trying different combinations and um, just a, a great experience I think really enhanced the game completely now I think there are a couple of temporary companions in there they can't really join your party. Um, uh, so there's a couple of extras of those. Um, there are many companions that have uh, carried over from Pillars 1 to Deadfire. There are some new ones in Deadfire. There are um, uh, multi-classing in Deadfire is another thing you can do with companions where like for, I think it was Seraphin was a, a cipher or a barbarian, but also could be a witch, which is essentially a barbarian cipher. Um, and uh, that was a, a nice thing that you could do if you decided you wanted multi-class, which I never did. Um, so that's kind of in general what companions are in the game if, if you haven't played it. Um, and I do believe this is something that will translate in a certain way to Avowed. But before we get into that, I kind of want to dig deep into your experiences um, to kind of hear what you think thought about the companions in general did you have do you like the system was it a nuisance for you narratively and gameplay wise was it something that you that you felt engaged you and drove you deeper into the game or was it something you just kind of clicked through so you could get the main story going i guess i'll, I'll start with you parenthesis what was your general feeling of how they handled companions in both pillars one and pillars two I think that they handled it really well. Uh, I really like them. They were, I mean, they they are designed to be your. I mean, CRPGs are are not only this, but they they are also a a poor man's substitute for for sitting around a table and playing a a game with your friends, tabletop role playing game with your friends, and and this is to me what the companions are sort of replacing partly. They are the other players in the game. You may be the main character who makes all the important decisions, but together with you, you have you have gathered these friends or at least allies who help you in quests. And 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 quite frankly, they they the main quest is important. The the things you learn is important. But but these but the companions are usually the most important things that stays with you the entire game. Uh, they are the one who introduces you to the story, to tells you about the world, uh, and helps you. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally on the same page with you. Uh, what about you, Gingerino? Did how did you in general feel about that system? How it was handled? Did it? Do you feel like it added to your experience or what? I, I love the companion system in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. I mean, to be fair, Pillars of Eternity was my first CRPG, really. Uh, so I was kind of inclined to like it. But I found the characters really enticing. Like I'm a lot more driven by uh, the narrative and the characters themselves and not so much like the mechanics of them. 
mostly because I couldn't figure half of that stuff out since it was my first CRPG. But like, I absolutely loved the first time I met Kana, and I loved how um, in some characters I grew to like them. Like, I hated Durance at first. I thought he was awful. Really? Really? <laughs> I hated him. That surprises me. But by, by the time he's, I had his reached re- the con- because he's the bad priest because he's the the nasty one the the crazy one i don't know i just i didn't have much substance to him he was he was okay he was amusing on his first meeting but then after a while i was like this guy's just angry and annoying and i don't like him but then by the time i reached the conclusion of his character arc i'm like my god dude you got such a story and i and i was so into it so I, I, yeah, like I thought the characters were really well written and really well voiced, and I thought they were included in ways that make sense. Like when you run into them, they were like you could have companions show up pretty late into the game and then have them also in the DLC. It was just I don't know. I liked it, and I thought they worked well for the party as well because it got me to play with other character classes that I hadn't chose for my character. Right, so I don't know. I I really enjoyed it, but. Again, it was my first major RPG like that, so I don't have much to compare it to to say, yeah, it's golden, it's not golden, these guys did it better, or these guys did it worse. So, Kiwi, what is your thought? Do you, did, you, did you love the system? Did you hate it? What are some thoughts about the general system? It's a essential part of the, uh, this, these type of, types of games, and I think generally they made a quite a good job with the companions uh in poe one especially i mean poe do this so so much more that you can't really keep track of all of them but uh, i think in poe one personally i you know i stumbled on the first you know the some of the companions like edir and aloth and so forth but some I kind of mi- I just missed them and never interacted with them. Like I, I probably would have hoped that they would have been uh, more obvious. I don't know, but there's a tendency that when there's more and more companions presented to you, then you you kind of have a problem of choosing, and you usually stick to the old ones. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. You definitely become like uh, familiar or comfortable with or your gameplay gets adapted to and then, you know, switching in or out may not be yeah, strategically the best choice. Yeah. And you, you kind of get used to the system, right? So then if somebody comes along mid game, you're like, wait a second. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Aloth. I got to send you home. Your companion quest is the first one I finished. I don't need you anymore. Did anybody get rid of Aloth or Adair? No, I I did because he was the first person whose side quest I concluded. And so I wanted to explore everyone else's side quest, but I need to have him in my party to do that. So I'm like, all right, Aloth, you're staying at Cad Nua for the rest of the game because I want to explore these other people. Interesting. Parenthesis, do you have any thoughts on the particular ones? We'll go down a few of them in a little bit, but I didn't know if you had any that stuck out in your head, like this was one that I loved or this was one that I wanted to avoid, like Durant. I mean, Durant is a, is in the game a horrible person, but he's a very, very, very interesting character. Absolutely, absolutely wonderfully written. Um, I, I, I mean... Uh, we, can, we can start with Adair, who's obviously 
purpose built to be uh, the main character's best party, best pal. But as I have said in another podcast, another episode of this podcast is is that interestingly enough, the the, the person I most uh, resonate with is Palagenia for uh, well for for personal reasons, and and it's weird because she's not the, the a she has some major character flaws. But but I I just overlook them and go no no she's a bird. It's not no no it's not her being a bird is not a problem. It's more her uh, rampant nationalism okay. that's the problem. But she okay. she has one of issues. issues. So yeah. I want to see if he was a birdist is all it was. Oh I see. Yeah, Palagina's cool, prickly, conflicted, interesting story, daddy issues, very. I hate uh, that. You do really? Yeah, I mean those are the type of childhood childhood dramas I don't want to deal with com- with companions. Well, and Palagino wasn't the only one, wasn't there? A couple others that had like uh, childhood. I'm trying to remember. You'll have to help me. Anybody remember any? I know there was at least one or two others that had that in their backstory. Childhood trauma specifically? Uh, parent issues or. Well, I guess I don't know. I guess I mean they all had family a, issues. I mean, Adair had issues with his brother, but they were adults by then. Mm. Yeah, but she's she's likely, of course, she's a very conflicted character. But you know, she's kind of the anti-religious type, but she's also a cult like. So I, I I get where they're going with it, but it's still uh, kind of uh, I don't know. She's saying no to reality. Yeah. I, I didn't like Palagina very much, which speaks to her how good she was written because like it was her personality that I was like, I don't like this person. <laughs> I got very sick and tired of having her in my party, but there you go. Yeah, so they they the just for anyone who's new, we we have uh, the Pillars of Eternity companions in the first one. You you encounter at the beginning Aloth and Adair, and then you have uh, quite a few others that you we we mentioned uh, Palagina. You have the grieving mother, which I thought was, uh, you know, a really interesting story. Um, <laughs> you could joke. say, oh, <laughs> and then Durant. It's like, who's the who's the grieving mother? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh right, yeah, she's <laughs> the grieving mother. Yeah, because um, you, know, like... uh, you have um, Azodi, uh, Maya, Harabi is from the first one. Zawa, Maneha. The uh, what's the robot lady? Devil. Is Double that the one Karak. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You got horny um, Takehu. <laughs> yeah, and it, as we're mentioning these names for anybody who doesn't know who the hell they are, these are essentially people you're adding their classes to your party. So Aloth is a wizard. Adair is a fighter. Um, let's see. Dur- Durance was a priest. Um, those are the ones I remember. Cipher was there was a couple, right? There, well, the first game was Grieving Mother was a cipher. Yeah, in the first game, there was one companion per class, except except Barbarian. You needed a DLC for that, and yeah. Rogue, right? White yep. White Marsh, yeah, March, and a monk, yes. Um, so these are all classes that that uh, they they do. Not only are they affecting the narrative and not only do each of these characters have kind of their own backstory their history um but they also are you know uh 
they they are part of your gameplay. They 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 we don't want to kind of ignore the fact that um, what you're adding to your party is a play style. You're coming up with a mixture that you feel works best for you to get through the game um, and to help you the most. Um, so, you know, pairing all of these up. And I, and I think in that, what did it, uh, the second game was how many more did they have? I can't even, I, I should have done the research. If you include the sidekicks. There's a lot more, which, you know, they were just a little less fleshed out. They were still voiced, but they didn't have like a huge character arc like the main ones. You know what's the worst thing about those? Oh, most of those sidekicks. Like, they come with like zero equipment. Yeah, like, um, what was the goat head one called? I forgot. Um, was that, uh, Not, yeah. The, Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, also, a priest, I believe, right? Um, mm. Was one of the classes uh, yeah. you could choose. It was a rimmer grand, grand priest that you can't make. Right, and then there was the um, the gunslinger, not gunslinger. Help me out here. Oh no, no, you can actually make a rimmer grand priest, can you? But it's, it was just a rimmer grand godlike. Yeah. Yeah. So these, I think, I think it, you you got to realize that they serve two purposes. Is what I'm getting at is that they serve a narrative purpose. They dig, dig, they help to flesh out the world that you're in. They give you more of a uh, idea of what this world is like through their stories, through their narratives. They also, very interestingly enough, and this is something I love about this game, it's also something done in a couple of other games, but they did it really well in here, was that companions are unique in that they establish relationships with other companions, um, either you know in the course of game events or through conversations, you'll start to notice there's friction between different companions that can get to the point where they'll basically issue an ultimatum to you and you and demand that you choose one over the other. Um, so like Aloth dislikes the pride of Seraphin, uh, for example. Um, uh, who were some others that had uh, conflicts? You guys help me out here. Zodian and the priest. Yeah. Yeah. Zodian Palagina. You're right. Um, they don't get along because of religion, right? Yeah. And then, of course, then there is Takehu and Pelagina because they have opposite views on what it is to, if it's good or bad to be a godlike. Is there someone who likes Pelagina? No, nobody likes Pelagina. What? <laughs> I kind of do. Up. I'm kind of embarrassed now to say that. I do. Why? Why? Because of the <laughs> no, but tone? The, no, but the no, other I, I companions. Like from an objective like writing perspective i liked her like they did a good job with her but i just i found her personality just abrasive personally but see i like that because i mean just for the same reason like woodica uh, yes i love i wish that was a companion come on yeah but that's (laughs) understandable though (laughs) but the prickly part is great it kind of it kind of I don't know. It just, and that's the same reason I really liked Durant. Um, I just, I love the kind of murderously insane, the kind of the, just the, the whole vibe that you get there and the story, as you mentioned, fleshing that out. Um, I found that 
Um, even though Adair is, of course, one of the most popular, uh, because as parenthesis so mentioned so well, that Adair kind of becomes your best friend or is, is meant to be that way. Um, yeah. Kind of not my favorite, actually. Um, wow. And, yeah. What? Really? Adair was your favorite? No, he wasn't my favorite. He was Remoran's favorite, though, I think. Oh, well, Remoran's not here, so too bad. I know. Um, he, he found it very heart-wrenching when, if you oh, killed yeah. him in the first wanna, game. and Right, tell us about that. He, he wanted somebody to mention that. I'll let you do that, Gingerina. That was pretty much it. He says that he wants to make sure that we mention that Adair is amazing and that it's very heart-wrenching if you kill him in the first game. In the second game's opening uh, scene, he's not in the chair, and that's very sad. Yeah, kind of, kind of plays on those heartstrings a little bit for sure. Um, my my I, baby is here com- uh, commenting on this. He's very passionate about companions. Good, good. Um, never too early to start Pillars One, so why not? You know, um, I I would say that my two least favorite were Adair and Aloth. Maybe that's because you get them so early in the game. I don't know. And you get tired um, of them pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that whole. I like the Islamir, the, the 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 kind of that the the at the beginning of the game that was really cool. You know the the whole thing with Aloth and because I kind of viewed Aloth as a Star Trek fan as kind of like the Vulcan of the group, right? You know, very gentlemanly, very mild, and maybe even reserved. Um, and the Islamir, of course, being the contrast to that. Um, but I would say if I was going to pick a favorite for me, gosh, I, I, I don't know, one. man, I'm, I, it's so hard. I'm, I'm looking through the list now of all the companions and I have to say it's, and this is going to be weird. It's either Durance or the grieving mother for me. Those are just between, I mean, I know not, not, not huge backstories, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's my dark side coming through. I'm not sure. But um, in general, that's the way companions work. They're added to your party. They are really, as you can tell from us talking about them, they, you really can become attached to these almost in a very, uh, you know, as as Gingerino kind of mentioned for Remoran, that you can become very emotionally attached to these as well and identify as I believe it was parenthesis or someone mentioned with some of their stories or some of their histories that kind of, they did a really good job of making each of them different enough where somebody playing the game is going to have a connection with one of them. Right. And, and that's a good narrative design and that, and that they're not so black and white and that they, they have this depth to them and that that's how you're exploring the world. It's not just in Skyrim where you have to read all the damn books in the rooms to figure out what's going on. You know, these characters are telling you what's going on and they're interacting with you as in addition to helping you with your combat, right. And, and getting things done that way. Um, is there any part of the, personality or or story that come with the companions that you feel was mishandled or you, that you feel maybe maybe didn't fit the game i mean i've heard some people on on the forums talk about that a little bit i didn't know if that struck any of you that you felt any of the campaigns maybe were um not as fleshed out as they should have been or 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 just kind of tacked on i don't know bo 
PoE2 companies are a little bit pushy if you agree with them too much. So what do you think about PoE2? I mean, you, you get extra stuff, right? I mean, you have all the sidekicks and the... Did you feel that it was too much? Do you feel it's better to have it kind of tapered down? Is there too much choice is what I'm saying. Yeah, there were... A, it happened quite often where I was like annoyed by having to choose between companions and sidekicks and all that. Like, it would have been nicer to have maybe a little bit less or space them out better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would, I would almost say that 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 was something, and maybe because I identified so much with the first game, I don't know. I, it wasn't terrible. I, I also like they, they. I mean, I get it. I understand why this is the situation, but you have many crossovers uh, between the games as well. Yeah, I, I wish they made some game where the companion choices were. Uh, mutually ex- uh, exclusive where you can either but, I mean they, don't they do that in like Path of, Pathfinder they do some of that stuff there where you, you basically can only have some if you took, take some or so forth Not like if you pick one. a nationality or something you can only have certain characters with you well, I mean there comes to like in the very first like very start of the kingmaker, you have to like you you have to basically go with the alignment. Like you do you go with, with the big bad evil party or the good guys. But yeah, I mean I mean it's also, also I think it's natural that the companions have their pets. Uh, like they like they don't like each other. Like you know Barvati and Zoe and I mean why why it's in really 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 annoying feature I, it's still realistic that not everybody gets along with each other princess you were saying something did you you want to chime in about pathfinder yeah it, it's it's true that you uh, it, at the very start of the game you have to choose so you it is chosen for you which party you, you run around with but eventually it just folks the it's a morphant folk you end up collecting them all you can dismiss them if you want to but but you you will end up with a full complement if if I have to say something about some of the uh, companions and sidekicks of Deadfire, it is that I felt some of them were far less interesting, and they, they felt like 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 uh, like they were playing um, second fiddle to the main ones, like the guys, the Alden uh, pirate sidekick Merkert, which is I, I mean I collected her, did I use her? Not much. She she was a pretty one. I don't know if she was one note, but she came across as a one note character. Uh, whereas even someone like, say, uh, Fasina or Vatnia had far more substance. So, I mean, they, they might have wanted, they, they, I think they could have cut one or two of the sidekicks and it, it wouldn't yep. have done any major difference. There's almost just as many sidekicks as companions, which kind of seems weird. To yeah. Me. Yeah, that is weird, especially when you consider, you know, that these are kind of like Parenthesis said, um, you know, there's there's not really an incentive for many of them um, uh, other than maybe if it's a, uh, a gameplay mechanic incentive or a party incentive to help yourself out. But um, not story there is not too much, of course. So that's not fleshed out. And then... <sighs> There was this, like, most of the companions of PoE2 represented a faction, basically. 
and what this did for me is that because you know, you start liking some faction more or some some faction less, and then, then the companion selection also becomes like a this big between factions, and uh, it's got it turned me off a little. That is like a you choosing companions is also politics. I kind of like that for roleplay aspect, but I can see how like if you're just trying to focus on absorbing the game, how annoying that could get. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on that one too. I don't know. It didn't really bother me or affect me that much, but I definitely see what you're saying. Um, we one other type of companion in the game we can't fail to mention. I think is, and this is really not. I, I just it is labeled as a companion in the game, and those are those are the pets, right? Um, <laughs> I knew it. You knew that was coming, right? Pets and pillars yeah, of did. eternity. They're considered followers, which basically what a follower is, is they, they can't really, well, they can be attacked, but they can't be attacked and will follow the player around. Um, they're represented in your inventory by a little item and you can equip that and you have everything from like uh, cats, like the black cat, calico, orange tabby. You have dogs, which is the hound, the beagle, the lab. The war pup, uh, there's also a little dragon, the white white worm, there's a pig, there's 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 a bunch that have been <laughs> and a thrown mortal in space there. Pig. Yeah. And uh, in combat pets are kind of like allies. I think they do suffer from effects, but they're you know, they're 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 not gonna help you. Your dog is not and at least you know, it's not going to do that big a difference for you. Your pets can sometimes get in the way too, which was a problem for me. Um, I know in, in dead fire, they changed it a little bit because each pet then comes with a unique bonus that can help e either the player or the party or both. Um, there was Abraham, which was the yellow lab and dead fire that reduces a recovery penalty for armor on the player and restores party health 10 points per kill. There was the uh, one that was part of, it was a backer pet, uh, but for people who backed the game, uh, it was the Animancy cat, I think. Um, and uh, it's the one that had the icon that I always thought looked like it had a shame cone around its neck. But <laughs> anyway, it gives the main <laughs> player uh, plus one arcana, plus two metaphysics. The point I'm getting at is they, you know, the bear cub gives you plus eight fortitude. So these are ways to make them a value to you. Whereas in the first game, I don't, unless I'm missing something, see much value in it. And then there was also this thing. I don't know if you guys ever dealt with the critter cleaver. Do you guys, did you guys play with that at all? No. I, oh, I forgot I, about I, that. I think it, it, sound, it sounds very cruel, so I never went for it. It's very cruel. <laughs> but uh, uh, the yeah. idea is that, and, and I'm going to kind of, I mean, yes, it sounds horrible because you're mixing and matching two different pets. But really, essentially, all it does is it lets you create new pets with the appearances of one that you like, but the bonuses of another. Um, so that's really all it does. I mean, it does sound pretty horrible. It's just a, like your slice transmog system. <laughs> Yeah, but they made yeah. it sound it like you're butchering animals. Yeah, he doesn't have the the head of a cat and the body of a dog. That's not not what we're talking about. It's just a way of oh. like, I mean, combining nice. bonuses. 
That would be well, hilarious. I mean, come on. If you're going to probably... make something called the Critter Cleaver, at least go for broke and do something like that. Ah, they Petta would I'm be all over them for sure. But that, oh, that, yeah. that, that is a, that is another companion in the game, even though it's not really considered that it's, it's like the other companions. There, there's no real narrative, long narrative, deep story there. There, these are just cute little things you can add to. Could, could you imagine party. the the long the long wonderful narrative for the cosmic space pig? Yes, I think it would be interesting, no, right? I'd I'd follow it. Tie in some outer worlds there. Who knows? You never you never know. <laughs> um, so I th- I think we kind of jumped on that. I wanted to point your attention to an article that was about the pillars ranking the pillars of eternity companions, and this was from Screen Rant. I thought it was interesting. I'll see what you think about uh, <clears throat> think about some of this. You have at number eight is Herobius. Um and uh, number seven, Sagini. Uh, Palagina is number six. Um, Kanarua is number five. Number four is the grieving mother. There you go. You guys don't like the grieving mother. This person said she's number four, so bite me. But she's number good. Three she's is, well written. She's no awesome. No one said anything bad about her. Um, Aloth, which should be number... Uh, out of eight, probably number 12, but is number three on this list. Um, Durance is number two. <laughs> These people agree also with me. Good. Yeah, he's good. And then uh, can you take a guess at what the number one is? Sigh. Adair. Yes. Uh, I don't mean to be <laughs> mean to Adair, boy. but uh, I mean, at the beginning, it was it was fun. You know, the, the Cali surfer dude in your party. I get it. Um you know, let's catch a wave, dude. But no, I'm. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of doesn't really work for me, especially when you have some really. I felt, and now uh, Rimmeran's going to kill me for saying this. Um, it, you know, I just felt like there was some more emotional narratives uh, for some of the others. So yeah, I really connect with the amount of David of Kerog. Oh, the I'm devil! Surprised. Yes, I'm surprised Aloth is not. A contender for number one, because considering how thirsty people are in the community for him. I don't Which one did you hear. mention, Ginger? I don't want to know. Aloth. Have you ever, like, gone on, you know, like, uh, art Number one? That... Yeah, well, oh, no. no, not for me, but, like, if you go on, like, Imager or Instagram or places that people do their own art, people love Aloth, and they're constantly... Uh, trying to draw him in romantic scenarios. <laughs> is it because of Islamir? Is it because he carries another soul of that whole discourse? Is that why you think? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's just the I think it's just the voice. It might also be because he's an angsty pretty boy. Oh, good point. He is an angsty pretty boy. That you is true. Know, you know you know what's going are missing or forgetting? The Which actual one? greatest of all time. This companion makes it possible that you can actually complete the hardest difficulties of the game and it's called it's called a custom companion <laughs> yeah you you have you have the wildest freedom when it comes to role playing these companions and you can choose the stats all you want that's a good point that's a really good point yeah you meet in a bar they never say a word to you but they follow you to the very <laughs> end of the <laughs> Aora. <laughs> Yes, 
you pay 2,000 gold to the innkeeper and, and then this guy comes with you. <laughs> That's pretty good price considering what you drag the man through. Or Seriously. At the end of that, the hired companion should just be like, you owe me a lot of gold. Actually, I was thinking you were going for, for another one. Uh, I was thinking of Vela. Oh. She is, like, she's a, she, yeah, she's a companion on the same level as pets. Um, I mean, in the first game, towards the end of the game, you can, you can end up in a situation where you have a, a baby all in your inventory. And if you complete the game with this baby in your inventory, she eventually grows up and becomes a, a, a young girl called Vela. That's right. Doesn't the dare take Deep care dive. of her? It's a great pull there. <laughs> I didn't and, even and have you, that in my notes. And you need to have her to do the uh, the ultimate challenge for uh, uh, for Deadfire, where she's she's wandering out, and you have to keep her alive. She's I've, I've never tried it myself, but I do not believe she's terribly useful. No, she's not. If I remember correctly, oh, I didn't. I, I didn't I, do anything, but yeah, I, I read about her. Uh, uh, yeah, of course, that, that like that triple crown where you play without companions. I, I mean, I hate watching those replays on for Pillars of Eternity too, because it's just sneaking around all the time on like the slowest setting. So let's move. Let's change gears a little bit. Since and we've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past. We kind of touched on it. I think one of the uh, listeners' questions was about it. But since Avowed is a different type of game, this is not an isometric game. Of course, this is a first-person RPG. Um, and we've kind of talked about how there's some first-person RPGs, like uh, I believe I used Dragon Age in a previous example, that does use a party system. I guess my question to you is. Are we gonna have a party system? Are we, or is this gonna be more like Skyrim, where you have that one follower that kind of tags along and and helps you out? Um, is the companion system gonna be as intricate uh, and avowed? Are you gonna be able to f- have these relationship issues, um, or are we looking at really a, at a single player s- kind of solo experience uh, where you maybe encounter these people with stories, but through their quests? that they give you, that's how you learn their backstory, not from them being in your party. Um, this is all speculation, of course, but um, Parenthesis, what do you think? Do you think that this is something that's going to translate well into the Avowed experience? It was done so well in Pillars because partly it was isometric and it was a tactical game, whereas Avowed is not really going to be, I mean, I guess it could be, but I don't foresee it being a full tactical game. Um how how would they squash this in there and do it in a way that works? I, do you have any thoughts? My my hope and belief is that they will do it somewhat like they did in the Outer Worlds. You will have a limited number of companions, two or three, that you can bring around. It will not have they will not have the same depth of interaction or uh, well mechanical control that you have in Pillars of Eternity, but. I have a hard time believing that that Obsidian would deviate from their from their already established patterns of having different characters who are representatives of different factions and can work as an introduction to the world and as a sounding board. It's it just seems it 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 would beggar my belief if they if they if they did that. That would that would be enormously wasted potential. That's a good point. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Um... 
How do you think about that, Kiwi? Do you do you feel the same way, or do you see, you know, do you see this more like an outer world's experience, or do you see them trying to flesh it out and have a full party? Well, no, I I hope it's gonna be as as little as possible like an outer world's experience. I I hope it's gonna be much better. But when it comes to companions, though, um, you know. I would say it's a, it would be refreshing to see more than one at the same time. I, I mean, it would take a lot to do to work, make that work, but I I guess it would be more in, interesting change from that uh, this like a Skyrim Skyrim approach. I, I mean, in you know, in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, you could have multiple companions at the same time, but now that game is. Uh, very very quirky in itself but <laughs> I'd like to see more than one yeah I mean I, and I think the best modern example well not the best but one that really rings for me is the way they did it in Dragon Age and where that was slightly tactical you could pause gameplay you could then issue commands to each of your party members just like in an isometric game you could um, you know it was it was it was like a um CRPG fans, first player, first person RPG dream, I guess. Uh, now, there's arguments as to whether it really was tactical because did it really have an effect on the fighting? And that that's a whole other issue there. But my point is, I think it can be done and has been done. Um, it's just whether they choose to do it. And then does that overcomplicate the gameplay for this massive audience that you're now responsible for reaching? They're, they're not appealing to the CRPG people. I mean, yes, we're here and they know we love them. They're appealing to uh, everyone and that that makes a difference. You know, I I would actually not want to see a tactical one. Like, I would like to have companions as you know, companions that they are. You know, they are like kind of individuals in themselves. Yes, they follow you and go do the quests that you do. But but I'd like them to be you know quite. Uh, semi-independent when it comes in fights like they would bring some asset to the fight okay uh, I, I mean it I, would I, be nice I, that I, they are a bit smarter than in Skyrim <laughs> yes oh my god Skyrim it was oh my god I mean Skyrim I have nightmares I, I actually have post-traumatic stress because I can remember in Skyrim where I was like sneaking into a cave of frost trolls and I'm being really quiet and, and I'm getting right and I start to see them. I watch how they're moving around. You know, I'm on, I'm on the difficult, highest difficulty level. I'm like, I got to get this right. And then all of a sudden Lydia screams, rushes in and lights them up and I'm dead. <laughs> so um, that, that sucked. So in Skyrim, it was, it was not good. I mean, yes. And it was not good really narratively. They had personalities, but I didn't feel like they had any flesh fleshing out at all. Skyrim is not, was not good as far as the followers go. Um, I mean, there were some mods that, that people did later. Um, these are from, uh, from fans that really did flesh that kind of thing out. Uh, but the base game, no, it, it, it sucked it, and it got in the way of the game, which brings another point in that if they don't do this right, like if they try to follow the Skyrim model, let you have maybe one follower or one companion because they don't want to overcomplicate it for the massive audience. Um, 
you also run into this other issue of mechanical and that uh, it's funny because if, if you do a Google search for companions, um, almost all the time when you do it, you equal in equal numbers, you come up with the top 10 best companions, but you'll also see in equal numbers, a list of top 10 most annoying video game companions, video game companions that were basically just extra baggage. So you'll see all these, these posts in addition to the ones that got it right, that there's equal or maybe more games that get it wrong. And when you have a studio that's transitioning from, you know, one type of gameplay to another gameplay system. I guess the only the only feather in their cap is they've done Outer Worlds, so they've proven they they can kind of do that. And Outer Worlds did have some great companions or well followers with you. They I enjoyed them. Um, so I I don't know. That's that's kind of how I look at it. Gingerino, do you um, do you have any input on that? Do you have any thoughts on how maybe if if they're going to try to take this system and, and melt it into the system that we now know of, um, you know, what, how will Avald handle that? Can they can they actually mimic the experiences we had in Pillars? Um, not to the same extent, obviously. Like, they're two very different games. Um, and I think that given the success of Outer Worlds and the fact that the, the team they had during Pillars is much different than the team they have now while they're making Outer Worlds. It's probably going to be closer to that. Um, maybe a little more tactical, like instead of an Outer Worlds where it was just like you press a button and one ability triggers, maybe each companion has its own ability wheel. So you have a variety of things to choose from, but I, I feel like it's probably going to be closer to Outer Worlds. They'll definitely have companions. I would expect at least two because Obsidian love character and they love setting they love writing and yeah they, they love making things like that that's what kind of compels them absolutely i think that um i will to piggyback on that and i think that like i said before they serve a purpose so some rpgs you play through and there are various ways that the that they communicate this rich world that they've developed you know there's there's quests, of course, but then there's there's the the tomes that you discover and you read about all these other things. And but then there are games that take that that mechanic and put it into a person and make them a personality, somebody that has existed in this world who's had good experiences, bad experiences, conflicts, um, and that is the richness that they I think they can give when they do make the transition. So I kind of agree with you guys. I think it's going to be more like outer worlds. That's my opinion. I think it's going to be taking that, um, taking that whole system, giving each one a really detailed personality. Maybe there'll be more than one or two, but you'll have, you'll only be able to have one tag along with you. You know, you'll be able to switch them out like you did in outer worlds a little bit. So, um, mm -hmm, you choose, probably. Who you take, yeah, you choose who you take off your ship kind of, but, um, yeah, I, I see that it's what's going to happen. I, I also, you know, I'm slightly concerned and, you know, with the, with them trying to appeal to the masses and us losing some of what made, uh, the story and the narrative in the first two games. So great, but Hey, they have, 10 plus narrative designers. So what do we got to worry about? Right. Um, about companion narratives, it just came to me, but do you have some examples where the companions actually throughout the game, like they have some kind of a 
you can have like some you know three dimensional companions with backstory and stuff but do you have cases where the companions actually have an like a character arc where they you know maybe uh, their personality might change they might mature or you have they might have a you know re redemption arc or, or downfall arc like that the companions isn't always the same funny quirky guy or some gloomy person but someone who gets different you know like uh, like main heroes in books uh, turn turn out different in the end right kind of like you're talking about like the hero's arc like the, the you know the difference that's that's one type of character arc yes you might not like the example i have for it but i think kate from fallout 4 um the, the drugged up one uh, depending on how you yeah, depending on how you follow her character arc and what you decide in the end, her personality changes and how she interacts with you and other people around do change. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, though. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, the general direction, yes. Like, I, I, I guess that my experience has been that most companions kind of stay the same they yes they'll have some quests and that, that sort of thing but you know either will always be either yeah i think you're i think you're right I, I for the most parenthesis do you know of any games that do a good job of of giving a story arc to the companions um i think there actually is one in uh pathfinder kingmaker uh, eventually you come across two uh, two companions um who have been uh, who who have been slaves, and eventually you there's a quest where you find the the person who turned them into slaves, and you have a the the big binary uh, uh, moral choice of letting him go, but sa saving some slaves who are in burning cages. Jesus Christ, and um, and and or, or getting him, but letting the letting the slaves die. And and if you let uh, if you go after the slaver and and kill him. They will be much more brutal and much more dour for the rest of the game. This is basically a switch that they pull, where, where they say, "Well, are these going to move closer to the evil alignment or the or good alignment?" Yeah, so it's Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Curie, Curie from Fallout Four. I know I'm only picking Fallout ones right now. Wow, Fallout she, Four references. Yeah. Well, I mean, she literally comes from like a, if you've played the Fallout games, uh, a Mrs. Handy robot and then you put her in a synth body like she literally becomes closer to being yeah. a human like uh i don't know that's a, that's a pretty big narrative shift i would say for that character definitely i like what you're getting at kiwi i like i like the idea of it you know having a character that has has a change or a growth but is but that growth or change you're affecting in other words choices that you're making is affecting their story that could have different outcomes i mean that programming wise a nightmare but it would be interesting mm, yeah just the thing uh, I, I of course have to struggle with when writing my book yeah absolutely um do anybody have any other thoughts on before we move on to listener questions about companions and how you think they'll translate into avowed or if they'll translate at all? Um, any more thoughts on that? Well, um, Remoran's not here, but if he could, he would say Parvati is the best companion in any RPG period. He will die on this hill. Rest in peace. 
(laughs) (laughs) Which is to say, it's an Obsidian-made character, so I'm sure he'll think the Avowed Companions are just as good. I, I, I mean, I get where you're coming from there. Um, I'm very familiar with that uh, companion. So, uh, and was also taken by that that situation as well. So, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I think that's that's an interesting choice, a good choice. I, I, I actually have something for something I would like to. To, to see in, in, in a companion. And that is where normal companions are usually there to stroke the ego of the player. But I mean, we have, but we have seen companions that, that have been very popular because they have been pushing against that. They have, they have been questioning the player. They have been uh, undermining them. And, and I speak, of course, of the uh, unforgettable Kira of uh, KOTOR 2 fame, who basically berates you the, not the entire game, but Often berate you for for doing this or that, and uh, and I think that that would be an interesting thing to see where they're just not where you just can't hit them like slot machines and and get them to for the big emotional payout. Uh, is it like Shadowheart of Baldur's Gate three? Uh, I haven't played Baldur's Gate three. So cannot speak uh, for that. There's this companion who's who's. She's really surly, uh, I mean, or like or sullen. Or I mean, she she's always less, like talking back at you, and I don't know, really, really, uh, I don't know. They people complain about her so much that they actually like change her a bit to be more amiable. That's I love that idea, um, and I've actually have seen it in some games before. Um, and I'm trying to, I can't piece, I can't pull them out of the air, um, right now, but, um, I prefer that actually, uh, parenthesis, if I was going to say, I want more complication there. I don't want them just to stroke my ego. I I want, you know, I would love, not on a massive scale, but I would love to have somebody in there who's challenging me or, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because if you think about, um, well, I get. I guess I want to avoid this one because I think it it shows up in one of the questions from our listeners. So I'll I'll just step back from that comment for now. But um, I definitely like the idea of someone challenging me. Uh, I love the banter between characters. I hope there's a way. Even if we have one follower, I hope there's a way for them to work that into avowed because I think that was something that really enriched the dragon age series. They really played into that characters having histories with one another in your party and just really the banter back and forth. It was something I really enjoyed, which I, you know, of course enjoyed as well in pillars, especially pillars one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think companions are going to be there. We know they're going to be there. Um, will will it be more like Outer Worlds? More than likely. Um, it, are we going to have a party system? Probably not. I will be super shocked if we have uh, are able to complete a full party. Uh, but who knows? We just don't know at this point. So it's all speculation. So let's. Yeah, they might jump be trying real. to make something new. You never know. <laughs> no, you're right. They they might they might do a switcheroo on us, um, and we'll probably learn about that later this year. But let's jump into listener questions real quick because I have some that are interesting i have one in particular and i uh, i will say to people who've been writing this question to us for years this is a question that keeps coming into us uh 
from listeners and I want to um I want to finally bring it up. I I, I don't know why I Do have they want to know if you have an OnlyFans? Is that what it is? With your OnlyFans account? <laughs> that, it's, it's coming, coming baby. Don't worry. It's coming, baby. Avowed, it's coming. The Avowedcast crew OnlyFans is going to happen Yes. Soon. Yes, sir. I make that million somehow. Um, but no, this is... Uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just read the question. This is from Sanjeed, who wrote us uh, two weeks ago, I think, and said, will Obsidian avoid attractive NPCs and companions considering their choices in outer worlds and the company's liberal slant. I'm just going to leave the question there. The reason I'm asking this question is because it's been asked by many people um, with a very similar wording. So take it as it is. Anybody want to jump in? Uh, I, I get where this is coming from. I like, is it, are they going to be sexy? No, no, I think this is, this was this is a critique towards the outer worlds companions or the general design of the NPCs. In what were way? They not tr- were they ugly? I'm like, I guess the question here is like, you get into real world U.S. politics, which makes it kind of awkward, because uh, I mean. Uh, well, I'm not from the U.S., but if I make an analogy, the uh, Outer Worlds NPCs look more like someone for, from Portland, Oregon, than Texas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good analogy, probably. Interesting. Um, Gingerino, how do you feel about that? Or do you want attractive... Do you want that to be a focus for, for them? I like... So let's just so we're clear. You mean like, like sexy looking NPCs or fun ones that are nice to look at? I, so I don't know. I'm so several people have mentioned the the wanting that for some reason Obsidian avoids making specifically avoids making attractive NPCs for whatever reason. And this person thinks it's some sort of liberal slant, which I don't agree with. I'm, I think it. I think it mostly just has to do with that it doesn't contribute to the story or the characters as they're designing them. And if if a character or an NPC needed to have, you know, let's say big old kahangas, okay, big old kahangas for the sake of the narrative, I'm sure they'd do it. But I don't think that that's something they care about. I think they care about deeper character traits than that, and so it's not something they're going to include. I mm, I think wouldn't expect to see one it. of the like when the outer world game came out I th- the big thing was I think one of the, the biggest thing was I think the hair length like there there is no long hair in that game it might be due to budget reasons they're hard to animate the physics and so forth and the other was like other the like the coloring of the hair like there's wild colors and I guess that is something which some people find like uh, not nice. Do you have any thoughts on this parenthesis uh, on what their question was? In general, I mean, most people aren't, you know, super uh, attractive in real life. So I don't see why NPC companions should be either. Well, we all know why we had Samara and Mass Effect on our team. Let's be real. Yeah, come on. Uh, I, so I, I will just. Massive, been asked, stonking, biotic powers. 
Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm going to just, we'll, we'll end this question. Um, don't need to send this question anymore. Um, no offense, Sanjeev, but I, 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 I don't feel that, that Obsidian intentionally avoids attractive NPCs. My guess, uh, if I'm being honest, is that they prefer to create kind of like Gingerino said, create NPC, create these companions and NPCs that, that feel authentic to the world they're in and that, that that's what they're trying to do. I mean, it, it, in my my guess is you have plenty of other games like uh, what's that series they have like four, 15, 16 of that everybody Final Fantasy right go play that if you want to get um, uh, I don't know turned on but that's not really the point here I don't think that's the point of the games that they make now as far as the liberal slant thing I would also say I don't necessarily feel the same way about that I don't while the company itself might be, and you know, it's in California, it might have a particular. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a red company. <laughs> no, it's not a red company, but it's also at the. I mean, you know, uh, you have lesbian relationships in outer worlds. You have, you know, you have all of these things that could turn people off. But you don't have to pursue that. You can pursue something else if that bothers you. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess one thing. I think one thing like I, I can maybe understand with the quest, the guy who put the question like if you look at the the outer worlds uh, NPCs, the they do tend to look quite androgynous. They do. I agree. I agree with that. And I, I, again, Honestly, I don't I know that's an, if that's on purpose. Is it? I think it's an accident. I just don't think it crossed their minds. I don't think anyone at any point in sitting went, should we make them sexy? I think they just like, yeah. we made a character, we gave them a model, <laughs> and we're done. There you go. Yeah, I don't know how intentional that is, honestly. I guess we'll wait and see uh, if they do that or not. But But the world of Aora is not necessarily the way they developed it. I mean, there's all these different cultures and these different styles of dress and the way they present themselves. And that is rich for me. That makes the game much richer. Um, I go elsewhere if I want to get turned on. That's not why I play the game. So anyway, moving on, we have an email from Cloud Elf. Wait, what what game do you play to get turned on? Oh, see, now, yeah, I'm not taking that bait. Um, (laughs) So anyway... Cloud Elf has uh, an email that says, do you want a tight, small open world with more depth and detail or a sprawling land that encourages exploration? I want the sprawling land. Uh, I've I've seen like games that try to be semi uh, outer (laughs) semi like open world, but um, when it, when they you know make it into smaller pieces, it's just the open world in smaller pieces. Uh, I mean, I mean, you either if you are going to make an open world, you you better fill that up. Like, um, I mean, it's just bad bad game like development and design. If you have really really big open areas, unless that's by design and goes with the all the other character of the game like you know Conan Exiles yeah 
Parenthesis, what do you want? You want the smaller world with more detail where you can go into every building and look in every drawer? Or do you want the massive world that, that, that you really have to explore to see the secrets of what's going on? I think I'm going to fall t- towards the uh, the big world uh, with the caveat that uh, I, w- I would like the actual um, settlements and, and, and quest hubs to be... I would like. To, I don't need to enter every single uh, home and, and rifle through every single drawer, but I, I would like to have them make sense. I would like to have care of, of thought being putting into the layout of, of these cities and settlements, so that it, it's not just you know, oh, it's it's quest hub number five. No, this is uh, this is the stronghold of whatever where 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 this guy reigns, and you can clearly see that it's been built for. Fa- over 500 years because of this and that. Yeah, that's a good good thing that you mentioned that one shouldn't uh, like see them as just quest hubs. Like, like you, for example, if you play ever played the, the original World of Warcraft, you Yes, you had settlements. Yes, many of them had quests, but there weren't like this really organized that, okay, you go to a settlement, there's always three quests that lead up to more of three quests and so forth, like really like smooth sailing. But sometimes you had like settlement, one quest, that's all, like, and then some guys in the middle of nowhere giving some really interesting stuff, you know, kind of this chaos random stuff like more natural stuff and and i also like to mention that you know what are the actual games that we like if we talk about open world games we all like like love these elder scrolls games they are really vast usually like skyrim like this there's no question everybody enjoyed it like i like or that's what i think and while it wasn't full of you know details morrowind was actually full of details but the world isn't actually really big it just feels really big because you move so slowly there but it was like it's actually filled to the brim yeah gingerina do you have a preference um i think i probably tend more towards the bigger world i i like to be a world filled with something with substance so i originally i thought smaller but i like big picture games so i think i'll tend towards bigger uh bigger is better but not too big just kind of like medium you know but with that kind of design to it gotcha yeah i'm 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 gonna side with all of you with one little extra thing that I want to add on and it was a problem I had with Skyrim. I understand why it existed. I understand from a programming side why they did it. Um, and But I do not want you to pull me out of the game every time I go somewhere. If I walk into a city, do not give me a damn loading screen. If I walk into a cave, don't give me a loading screen. You don't need it. With modern technology, they've shown, many games have shown that you don't need it Heck, I'll go back to the year 2000 with the first, and I hate to say it again, but Dungeon Siege was one of the first games that came out that did not do that. And this was like a pixelated game. I understand that you're the more detail that you add into the open world, the more stuff that you add 
it makes it more difficult. It's much easier to clunk up, like Kiwi said, different areas. And they did this kind of in the outer worlds as well. You kind of clunk up areas, you know, with a planetary system, it was easy to do. But, um, you know, this area is this and, you know, we're, we're going to load all the stuff for that particular area. But with modern technology, they've shown games have shown that they can, they can mitigate that. There's ways to handle that. I want to be in an immersive experience, regardless of whether it's small or large world. I want it to be, I don't want to be pulled out every time that I open a door or go somewhere. Don't please God, don't do that. Um, And if you do that, that's a little bit of a concern because I think there's a lot of modern examples where that's not done. And since Skyrim was now, what, 15 years old, you can move on from that system. Um, Don't clunk it up like they did in Dragon Age. That's one of my complaints about Dragon Age. They did it in Inquisition. It was clunked. It was you, you had quote unquote zones and they intentionally put mountains where mountains may not naturally should be um, because they're adding barriers so that you have to walk through this path to another zone and then you get a loading screen and then you're in that zone now. It, that would be disappointing for me. So that would be the way I would answer that that question. I don't want to see any of those loading screens, please. Just do what God of War does. Make us walk through a very long tunnel and hide the loading screen while the characters talk <laughs> or, about something. Do you know who else did that really well? Um, was um, who the heck? Uh, the, uh, I'm forgetting it now. The Xbox game, it, the N7. Um, the the big triple series mass effect yes mass effect yeah when you're in the city that's what the whole elevator system's for you're in the elevator not because it, you need an elevator it was a they said that was intentionally what they did for the loading screen so yeah kept kept you in one long continuous camera shot and that's a smart way to do it like if you have a city with a big door or a gate like you could have the door open slowly or something like that you know there's ways there's ways to do it, and I just I feel like it, it disrupts your. It's like a you know a hearing a car back up on the street while you're reading a book. It pulls you out of the narrative. It, it, oh, I'm in the real world now. I'm no longer in that world. Anyway, last question, and then we'll we'll end for the day. This was an interesting one. Um, I actually got this like a month and a half ago, but I finally got around to putting it on there. It's from Bell Tower, 1866. I don't know what. That significance is. I'm not a history person, but Bell Tower 1866 says, I'm a huge fan of the Shadow of Mordor Nemesis system and would love to see something similar in Avowed. He goes on to say, with the advancement of modern AI, what are the chances we see intelligent enemies with memories? Could enemies actually escape from us, tell other enemies our tactics so they would know better how to defeat us? Um, could we potentially ally with an enemy who may then later betray us? So if you're not familiar with the Shadow of Mordor system, basically the way it worked is you would encounter orc captains and war chiefs, and they all have some sort of backstory or relationship with other clans, with other orcs in the game. For example, if you kill an orc who has a, a blood brother, for example, the brother either is going to quickly join in the fight if he's there, or he's going to hunt you down later uh, because of what you did. You can also recruit your own orcs using the one ring, and once an orc is in your control, you can then plant them as a spy in Sauron's army, and then they 
obviously get promoted up to war chief and can betray the overlord and so on and so forth. And uh, it's just an interesting way to deal with uh, cause and effect. You know, you do something that has an effect and based on the action you choose, people like you or hate you or in this particular situation, you know, you killed his brother. He's going to come after you. Anybody think that they would like to see that kind of depth of artificial intelligence? Whether whether we will see, uh, we want to see or not, we will not see because Obsidian does handcrafted interactions in the games. Uh, these kind of like simulated things, where uh, you you can there's there's some games where you can probably already see that, and one is Dwarf Fortress, where everything is simulated and it's a chaos and the game never tells you why this stuff happens unless you go and look for the reason and that's that's uh, both the appeal and the uh the thing that might push people away from this kind of simu- simulations uh another type of game where one might see these is the wayward realms where it is also basically gonna be like Deckerfall, but in steroids. Oh yeah. I, I don't think we'll see anything like it because just echoing what he said, it's uh, it's not Obsidian's mo to have simulated things or generated things. They just they handcraft each piece, they hand draw it all. Well, not hand draw, but like they they take care to every single asset that they have. I find. Uh, I don't think that they would do that. Also they would have to reinvent it because as far as I understand it, the nemesis system from those games are trademarked or copyrighted and people are not allowed to use it. Oh, which is a whole point. other well, discussion. Right. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Parenthesis, do you want them on a general level to, do you want your effects and the things you do to different people in the game, choices that you make to have consequences that maybe aren't fully scripted at the beginning um, what do you think about that? Having memories within the characters themselves that you interact with? I think that to, I mean, I really, I really like the nemesis system of, uh, of, of the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mortal, but I, I think that it, it needs, um, those games were built around uh, this as a central pillar. And just to introduce it really, or to push it really nearly into uh, about would be a mistake. I also think that in in general, um, these are it, it's one of those classical uh, where where you have to ask who is having the fun, the player or the developer of the game, because this might be an, an awesome system to develop. But if but as a player, I would like to know. Why, why is this guy uh, trying to kill me? I mean, and it, and it doesn't have to be highfalutin. It just has to be like, this guy wants my money. This guy disagrees with me. This guy killed I killed this guy's brother or I slighted him. But but if this is not communicated properly to me, then, then it's just, that's some random guy. The computer knows it, but I'm not the computer. Yeah, I get it. I, 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 I... I would say that if I kind of agree with you guys, I don't think this is to this extent for either legal reasons or other reasons that we're going to see something as I loved Shadow of Mordor. The system is really cool. Um, But I think on the basic level, if I was going to have any expectation for Avowed, um, I think what you might see, and I kind of hope you do see, and I don't think this disrupts the narrative, would be uh, the game somehow remembering actions that you've taken um, 
that could then have uh, uh, negative effects on you later. We, we did a cause and effect episode, I don't know, like a year or two ago. We talked about that in games. I feel like that could realistically be here. I feel like you burning down this village, you know, that's just an if then statement. If we want to be real basic about it, um, you know, if I burn down this village, then this these people will not talk to me when I try to negotiate with them. Or if so, I do see uh, memory, if that's what you want to call it. I don't think I would call it AI, but it's it's definitely calculated as if a player makes this choice. There's this consequence, which does kind of exist in some Obsidian games Reputation. already to a certain extent. Yeah, reputation exactly, um, but that's the extent that I see. I don't, I don't really see it going any further than that. I did one thing I would love to see is, um, you remember if you played Shadow of Mordor, they had this system where you could gain intelligence. I think that would be super cool to discover secrets that people know. If there's some kind of psionics or where you could actually use your power to to extract things from the minds of other people that live there. I know that's crazy, but like they did that really well in the game. And I think as a, as a, what I'm talking about is interrogation really, right. A way to really push as you would in D and D even um, this, this NPC to the brink to where you could either through science or through through um, a potion, a scroll, whatever, are, you're able to pull their experiences or knowledge or something out of their head. I think that would be cool. Um, thank you guys uh, for joining us today. I'm going to go around real quick and see if we can uh, let you tell us what you're up to and where people can find you if they want to seek you out. Um, Gingerino, do you want to start and tell us where you can be found on this, uh, the internets? If uh, Okay, so where you want to follow me? If you're into Pillars of Eternity, you're looking forward to Avowed, and you want to know more about the lore of the world, you can follow my podcast, World of Aora. It's just a news and lore podcast about Pillars of Eternity games and Avowed as we're gearing up. Uh, my aim is to have everybody on the same knowledge base as we enter into the game when it comes out, but uh, also it's just something nerdy that I do. So yeah, at World of Aora on Twitter or World of Aora on any podcast thing. As for me personally, I don't know. Just pay attention to the show and I'll probably announce stuff there. Well, you're going to have at least another year, right, to to put out more. I hope so. Con- There's a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have time to get to get to that goal. I definitely think, I mean, I think you've made strides already. Yeah, and well, speaking of companions too, I feel like Durance right now is one of my most requested uh, topics to get onto about the the lore behind Durance and his story. So might have to do that pretty soon. Yes, do it. I'll I'm, I'll listen to that one right away. Totally a fan. Um, so parenthesis, where can people find you if they want to seek out your content? Well, I stream on Twitch uh, under the handle Command Objective, uh, usually uh, in uh, uh, in the weekends. Okay, sounds good. Kiwi, do you want people to find you, and if so, where? Not now. Fair enough. Um, you can oh, reach I us. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I don't blame him. Um, so uh, we are avowedcast at gmail.com is our email. Please keep sending in your questions. I will, I will do the best I can to get them on our hopefully continued to be monthly podcasts. Um, and then, uh, you can also see us on Twitter. Occasionally we'll post our episodes there. We're at Avowedcast. 
Um, so we thank you for listening. We appreciate all your support in the community. You guys are great. And um, our listeners keep, keeps going up. I haven't looked in the last month, but I know we were, we were around the holidays. We were hitting some pretty big highs. Um, so we appreciate you being continued listeners, even though we know the game is, is quite a ways away. Um, and we'll, we'll probably be back in, you know, at, since we didn't really do one, since this is release, releasing in March, we might do another one at the end of this month. Um, but like I said, we'll try to keep doing one every month for you guys, at least until we start to get more information, which, hey, according to that leak, could be sooner than we think. That would be really cool. Um, yeah. That'd be great. Party on. Um, but thank you guys for joining us today, and I uh, hope you have a great rest of the month. Love you. Miss you. Bye. They are nowhere. Everywhere. Places that were anywhere I was not. Because to be godlike means to be alone.